Hey, uh, hey, welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise him. Uh, so in this episode, it's it's going to be me sitting down with returning beloved co-host guest Elizabeth Brennan. Uh, so she says this is the first of a series of conversations with people hot on the heels of the Melbourne Fringe Festival of 2023 just closing. And so we're going to be, uh, yeah, talking to a, a few artists that were involved in productions and talking to them about the process, how they feel after the process, um, and, and even just their experience with theatre making generally. Um, and, and Elizabeth is very excitingly going to be the first of these guests to come on and talk to me with you about it. Uh, yeah, so she's she's just come out of a run of the premiere season of Bloomshed's production of a dodgeball named Desire, um, and she as well was in that recent production of The Crucible um, that we spoke about. Um, yeah, um, yeah, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll recognize her sweet voice and remarkable intelligence. Uh, and anyway, yeah, so um, yeah, <laughs> get ready for some, uh, you know, some red hot theme music and then a conversation with the wondrous, hyper-talented, very inspiring Elizabeth Brennan. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for being here. Hey, Elizabeth Brennan. Hello, Jake. Hi. God, it's so nice to have you back. How are you going? Oh, it's really nice to be back. Um, yeah, in terms of how I'm going, I would say variable. Variable. <laughs> how are you going? Oh, also variable. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, no, so you're, you're here as like the first of uh, like a small series of like post fringe oh, festival. Know I was the first. Of course you're the first. <laughs> ah, what a start. Oh, okay, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, the first of, yeah, with this post fringe festival. Gonna yeah, create the content. Yeah, if you blow create it, the structure. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's all going to be built on whatever this mm. like fucking is. So, right. um, yeah, yeah, the first of like the post Melbourne Fringe twenty twenty three, you know, post festival conversation series. <laughs> I suppose <laughs> there is no name for it, and it's very obvious where. Mm. So, but yeah, so how are you? Chucklefest. Chucklefest. <laughs> no, <laughs> Someone just yelled Chucklefest. <laughs> yeah, um, because of course, yeah, to be quick about the immediate credit that has just occurred mm. of course you were part of Bloomshed's uh, a dodgeball named desire yes yeah the award-winning dodgeball named yeah. desire two awards yeah what well, which awards nice. did it win we won the innovation in theater award uh-huh. which honestly didn't know we were up for <laughs> uh so do you know how this works i didn't like there are specific awards for the melbourne fringe where um like a company or a or another festival kind of go seeking someone to award this to. Uh, and so oh. they like make note of a few different shows and they're like, oh, we might like to have that in the Adelaide Fringe. Oh, that one too. And then they, yeah. And they, so they're kind of like sleuth undercover agents. Oh, incredible. <laughs> we're going to see work to, to for that specific purpose. So it's not like you know that you're up for that. Right. They might just surprise you and they might just have picked your show as one that they want. Oh, beautiful. Um, so who was snaking around that saw you? Like, <laughs> what like, body was that? Yes. Um, well, now that you mention it, I cannot recall the oh, name cool. of the body, <laughs> but it, um, it is, it, it's like a, I believe it's some kind of touring company. Cool. Okay. Uh, for rural Victoria, possibly. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, yeah. So that's that. 
Um, yeah, God, I really should find out what that no, all means. No, I'm sure. Uh, I was just like, innovation, thank you. Right, okay, cool. We innovated. Did you, well, this will come, when we start talking about the show, I'll ask you about in what way your show is innovative. Oh, okay. Yeah, because, yeah, because I managed to see mm. zero shows this fringe, apart from ones that were, like, in the venues that my shows were in. Fair. Um, which mm. was, yeah, a real, real devastating casualty of my festival-going experience, yeah. but one that was very necessary um, because of how my brain was and schedule was. Yes, yeah. I was unable to see any. As soon as we started performing, mm. uh, I couldn't see anything. Like, right. It was just, it was just wasn't going to happen. Did you also go into it thinking like, oh, I'm performing, so what I'll do is I'll just go to the show and then I'll rush off to see yes. something else great. Yeah, or <laughs> run afterwards to a 10 p.m. Yeah, I definitely thought I would somehow achieve that. And failed to God, across not, the not board. Not even once. Great. Not even one time did I see anything. <laughs> once we'd gone into Tequi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was really like cross when we went to the award ceremony. <laughs> Please, oh please God. let me go to bed. But then we won awards, and that was a happy thing. You found the awards to be like Gatorade to you? Um, just kind of like a nice little pat on the head, I, I guess. Sure. Also, and to, well, so the other award we won was the New South Wales Touring Award. Great. Yeah. So, which actually is a concrete thing, meaning that we're going to now perform this show in the news in the Sydney Fringe Festival. Oh, incredible! Yeah, great. Next year in like August or September. Have you performed in the Fringe before over there? Oh, yes. <laughs> what have you done at Sydney Fringe? So, Sydney Fringe. Let's talk Sydney Fringe. Okay. <laughs> um, I believe it is a lot newer. It is a younger festival okay. than we would say Melbourne or Adelaide is. Okay. Um, so, it's still kind of finding its feet. When when did we go? So, I went with Bloomshed with The the Nose. So mm. one of our first Oh, The Nose. Yeah, the that was, time. what, yeah. years ago? When was... Yeah. It, that was... So, the first time we performed The Nose was in the Sydney Fringe Festival oh. in 2017. Mm-hmm. I think it was 2017. Yeah. Um, was that a Dostoevsky one? What was The Nose? The Nose is a, an adaptation of a Nikolai Gogol short story. Okay, great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We're sort of in... Contemplating maybe remounting it at the moment. Cool. I'm not sure. Just as because so few people saw it, yes. <laughs> so, like four days. Anyway, anyway. Um, yeah. So we did that in Sydney Fringe, and Sydney Fringe that year was was a car park. It was sort of an underground car park warehouse type situation with little curtained off areas. So the sound bleed from all the shows was absolutely shocking. Well, that's where the so, entirety of the festival was happening. Um. That was where the hub was. Right. right, okay. So the hub was just, it was just a massive, massive warehouse. Which just felt like some sort of like emergency medical bunker, I imagine? Kind of, yeah. It was very okay. strange. And it wasn't like it was a thriving thriving hub of, of excitement. It was just like you go there to see a show. Um, and maybe you take a picture in, in the balls, because there's always balls to hang out in. What <laughs> the spaces. fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you know, like a ballroom, like an Ikea ballroom. Oh, like some a ball pit. Gimmick. That's oh, it, sure. a ball, a ball. <laughs> That's what it's called. A pit of balls. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, I believe, and, and then we came back the next year, yeah, 2018, again, uh, because the lady who ran one of the venues really liked the nose and was like, can you come back? So we entered it into the Fringe Festival again. So we haven't been back since 2018. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's a different, it's a different vibe. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's still kind of finding its audience in Sydney. 
Actually, you lived in Sydney for a while. What's I did. your view of the independent theatre scene in Sydney? Of the independent theatre scene, I enjoyed, uh, like, I don't know if it counts, but like Belvoir and Griffin were quite reliably, like, a bit mm. skew-if, which was in a, in a positive way. <laughs> yeah. In a way that, yeah, yeah, I certainly managed to have a much more, like, I don't know, exciting, kind of like mentally fertile time there than I tended to at, like, yeah. the STC. Um, but is, is, is Griffin and um, uh, Belvoir. Belvoir, are they more akin to a sort of a Malthouse situation? I'd say Belvoir certainly is yeah. more malthouse Um Yeah, whereas Griffin feels much more like, which is very much more, not to be pathetic and talk about my like sensibilities, but I'd say, mm. yeah, the Griffin being, especially now that it's like run by Declan Green, um, oh, very God, much... Yeah, yeah, isn't that a sweet development? <laughs> that is cool. That's, yeah, but I've not been since he took over, but um, yeah, feeling much more even like architecturally and mm. just also the things that tend to happen there a bit more like in a shed or in someone's living room and yeah. a bit more, yeah, small and dirty. Yeah. Which, yeah, which is where I tend to have a better time. That's cool. I have yeah. to go and see something, Griffin, next time when I'm there. Mm. But yes, uh, this particular Sydney Fringe, <laughs> Bunker, Car Park, <laughs> uh, could hear all the other shows happening while we were doing our own show. God, and was that like, that still sounds like, maybe this is my sensibilities showing, but was there something like fun and invigorating and kind of like renty about There was that? something kind of bizarre and Enjoyable, even though it was also extremely frustrating. Yeah, because was everyone just undercutting each other in terms of like theatrical anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just sort of like as if you were performing at a party almost. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And one of the other shows was called Ophelia's Shadow, which is a group from Canberra doing a an uh, adaptation of <laughs> Hamlet. Yes. Starring Ophelia, and it was a feminist punk rock musical. No. <laughs> so like in the background of us uh, <laughs> speaking. Gogol's words or James Jackson's words as the case may be uh, you'd hear like to be or not to be that is the question oh so Ophelia has her own take on that monologue is that well that was Hamlet Oh, Hamlet was in the show too. Hamlet was in the show. But it was Ophelia centric. Yes. Great. I imagine you would have gleaned a lot of the plot from <laughs> oh, the so same much. car park. So much. I would love to see that sort of situation if like everyone built their shows knowing they would have to be trying to outshine each other amongst <laughs> the cacophony of like a car park collaboration. Yeah, what would you do to really grab everyone's attention in that situation? Yeah, because like in this experiment, is everyone still curtained off, or is it kind of like? Like, you're walking through a market in Agrabah and everyone's trying to sell their wares. <laughs> the city of mystery. Yeah. Uh, no, it's curtained off, but it's only curtained off, like, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> it's like a, a horseshoe of a curtain. Okay, great. Yeah. And can we make the rule that everyone in the audience has to stay for the whole show? So you need to be, like... It's, it's not so much as, like, you are holding them captive, but you have to make them glad that they're in your curtain. Yes. And not wanting to go to someone else's. Yes, I think we can make that rule. Okay. Do you have an instinct as to what you would do? Would it be the nose? Would it be something <laughs> Gogol-based? <laughs> it should probably be something a little bit uh, dodgeball-esque, actually. Something oh, great. quite interactive and and wild. Just oh, that's smart. That, yeah, everyone would be mic'd. Because <laughs> we were not mic'd with the nose. We were just straight up shouting, ripping our vocal cords to pieces. Oh, was it a good time, know. though? Was it, despite, you know, losing fun. your throat to it, it was fun? Oh, it was fun. I think because I was excited about the show. Like, it was a weird show that came together in the last, like, two days before we started performing. Like, midway through the second performance, we were like, actually, <laughs> I think we might like this. Oh! <laughs> Which was a surprise, because we were all so uncertain about it. Again, this is a trend, which I'm sure we'll come back later, talking about dodgeball. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. But so we're going back to Sydney Fringe, is the upside of all that. At last. They'll be so glad to have you back. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, they're very nice. They were very nice. 
oh. um, it was just a strange vibe. But I don't think they do that anymore. It's not going to be in a car park. We'll probably be in some kind of school hall, or basketball rink. Or yeah, something. somewhere more theatrically inclined. Like yeah, a, like sure. a Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, amazing. Okay, great. So let's let's... You know, just for the people like me who didn't get a chance to see the splendour of this award-winning show <laughs> that you were just in. Um, yeah, could you explain to me and to the sweet, sweet listeners what a dodgeball named Desire was? <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Let me try and explain this nonsense. Okay. <laughs> um, so, okay, we wanted to, um, I guess in terms of like where it came from or the kernel of the idea... Um, was when we were very frustrated and depressed over Animal Farm in 2021. The, um, what you were like the Bloomshed people were. Yeah, yeah. It okay. was actually specifically me and Justin Gardam and James Jackson. Do you know Justin? Have you met him? I've, a couple of, yeah, I met him yeah. when I went and saw Oh Dear, that oh, Athens show. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, because yeah, he was like sound somethinging for that. Doing, doing something. Doing something. Yeah. yeah, but that was a lovely surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was wonderful. Mm. Um, and we were talking about doing something completely different and not, as text-based as Animal Farm was. We were sort of tearing our hair out trying to make that script happen. Is that oh, is that um, the style of misery that you were all in when you were talking, like, like having this conversation? No, I think it was, oh, God, 2021. I think that was when either we were about to get, um, like, locked down again. Oh, God. And so, okay. yeah, just for background on that particular year, if you recall, <laughs> we were kind of going in and out of lockdown constantly. Mm, great time. And that yeah. was when we were rehearsing and trying to create Animal Farm. Yeah. So we had three lockdowns happen during that time. And this was, oh, because this was like the very first iteration, like the Theatre Works intended one? Yes. 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 Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and... The kind of in and out and in and out on Zoom. We're not on Zoom. Oh, we this doesn't work on the floor. Shit, we were pinning all our hopes on this <laughs> sort of situation. It was just very stressful. Yeah. Sort of a lot of interpersonal issues <laughs> with the group. Not to say that anybody did anything wrong, but it was just like a it was like a pressure cooker environment. Oh sure, oh, my God. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we were a bit d- glum. <laughs> yeah. And like a couple of years ago, James had said that he wanted to do like a. A reading, a dodgeball reading is what he called it, where you like actors are reading a play and people are playing dodgeball around them and the actors just have to keep going Great. <laughs> no okay. matter what happens. Sure. Um, and then I. I just because that was like a funny idea or yeah, I thought that yeah, that was. Just yeah, a funny idea. Great. Okay. Um, just picking two things at random and cramming them together. Yeah, yeah, Great. yeah. <laughs> and then I, I sort of brought that up and was like, why don't we just do that? <laughs> we'll just enter it into the Fringe Festival and have some kind of stress relieving, hilarious time. Yeah. Um, and they were both like, yeah, that sounds fun. And then we look, we went about the process of find, like in that afternoon of being like, which script would we use? Mm. What would we do a reading of? Yeah. You know, and we threw up, um, I think Death of a Salesman was an option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hamlet was definitely thrown up there. Yeah. Um, but then as soon as we hit on... <laughs> sorry. No, no, don't be um, Streetcar Named Desire. We were like... A dodgeball named Desire. That's the one. I was, yes. <laughs> That's the one. Well, because I was curious about, like, because my theory was you thought of a funny title and then built the show. Well, so, as, so yeah, essentially that's kind of how it happened. But it's, but it's fun to know that that was like, yeah, that James thought experiment. Sure, but it was like largely the title that won you over to choosing that script specifically. Yes, yes. Which was actually so lucky because, like, you know, I think we very soon were back in lockdown again. Mm. And I was chatting to James on the phone about it and 
this this sort of image of Blanche Dubois, Dubois getting repeatedly hit in the head with a dodgeball while she attempted to tell her story was just really amusing to us and felt like a fantastic metaphor for COVID and the theatre industry. Oh, fascinating. <laughs> because of Blanche's contribution to that image or just because you felt like you were being buffeted by dodgeballs in the face? Well, I think maybe both. Both? <laughs> um, you know, hit after hit after hit is the sort of the feeling of it. Right, um, and she just she just wants magic and fantasy, she doesn't she? She just doesn't want realism, mm. you know. <laughs> and good for her, says I. But uh, yeah, but then the more that we sort of looked at the play, the more I was like, oh my god, this is like Blanche is theatre. <laughs> Blanche Dubois is theatre. Yeah. And Stanley Kowalski is sport. <laughs> god, okay. Um, you know, he's oh, what a, what he's a, like instinctive. A high school, he's yeah. he's physical. Mm. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's brutal. Um, and Blanche is, is delicate and, um, sort of has this history about her that she's, she's perpetuating this kind of Southern Belle dynamic. Um, you know, he, she, they refer to her as a moth. Mm. She's this kind of ancient, delicate, fluttery creature that is sort of surprisingly resilient, mm. but, um, it was so inherently theatrical. Right. Um, you know, and Stanley is kind of the opposite. And the way that she talks talks down to him in the play and talks about him is so reminiscent of how some theatre people talk about sport. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and the same the same thing with him. You know, she's she's stuck up, she's she's she thinks she's better than me. She's <laughs> like you know, it, it so it just seemed like that that really carried us through to the next step of creating the show of being like okay is this are we making a show about theater and sport are we looking at and and, you know blanche ultimately is not the winner here in this Mm. play you know she she tries to survive and is uh, and then carted away essentially carted away and sort of snuffed out um you know and (laughs) sure (laughs) yeah is blanche's struggle to 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 adapt and to survive is she is she the theatre industry in Australia <laughs> after the fall of Belle Reve? Yeah, right. Yeah. And is is sport like is Stanley sport? Is is it is it the future? Right. Is it the future of entertainment? <laughs> God, <laughs> sure, sure. God, that's that just honestly my first response to that being the description of the show's concept is immediately, of course, very saddening. Yeah. Partly because of the idea of like taking this woman that is a soft moth who is in love with fantasy that represents theatre and then not putting Stanley in a theatrical context in any sort of specific way, I guess, mm. but instead taking her and putting her in his domain. Like yeah. that is upsetting to me in the way. <laughs> To do that to someone in a, in a personal way and in a conceptual way, that's very upsetting, which is a fun way to start mm. a theatrical totally, process. Yeah, that's, but it is also yeah. kind of the reality of the situation. Like, if, yeah. if sport and theatre are both under the category of creative industries, yeah. you know, as as the political situation would imply, mm. then there is an inherent competition that is going on and there is a clear winner. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of the interest of and excitement of the public, but also... Um, in terms of the resources that are available to these industries. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, and I guess it, it sort of just, this, <laughs> it kind of blossomed from there, really. Mm. And uh, forced us all to kind of look at our own feelings about this. And what it, what is it about sport that's so appealing? Because, 
you know, it's hard to deny that it 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 it, it affects people on a really deep level. Mm. Um, you know, I, I went to a football game in preparation for this, and I haven't been to a football game for ages. Yeah. And I was like, this really affects people. Like, people banging their feet on the ground, people screaming, people mm. swearing and shouting. They are so emotionally invested in this yeah. in a way that theatre can kind of only hope to achieve. <laughs> Well, oddly relevantly, I was talking to Dominic Weintraub the other day, mm. who, of course, is part of Ponycam, and they recently did their show. Yes, I saw it and I loved it. Oh, oh my God. Mm. I'm excited to hear what you say about it yeah. then, because it was called Burnout Paradise. Burnout Paradise. Yes, yeah. and it was all on treadmills. Mm. Um, and I don't know if you had this experience of it, but Dominic describing it to me after they'd done like two shows, I think, mm. and he said that the way that he felt while performing this show, it elicited from the audience this response that was one of this like gladiatorial, like coliseum style like barracking for these performers throughout yes, their, their, yes. their work is that the sort of experience you had watching their show yeah very much so you know you really want to help them and you want them to achieve their end you feel like you're all on a team together which is a lovely a lovely feeling to elicit in an audience right yeah um you know and there's a lot more agency but there is a, yeah there's a lot also a lot more emotional investment mm. um yeah and i guess we wanted to kind of experiment with the form of theater uh, and see what happens if we introduce sport into the mix. Because I guess our, our shows already have a little bit of an element of toying with that at times. With uh, sport specifically? Well, or maybe with... not sport so much as, as athleticism, of like um, physical bodies versus text. Like, um, the Wait, kind physical of... bodies versus text? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Like kind of putting them, putting them together, um, letting them sort of be in <laughs> juxtaposition with each other. Um, and what, what, like the change that comes about when you switch from one to another, like extreme physical exertion mm. and um, like beautiful flowery language. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Is there is there a moment in any of the works that you and the Bloom should have done that have been like a real crystallization of that dichotomy? Yeah, I think um, in Paris, I just like really gulped it. No, you get into that tea. <laughs> get that tea real fast in before I speak. Um, yeah, what comes to mind is probably Paradise Lost, uh, mm. when Adam and Eve are sort of on their trajectory to complete devastation. Yeah. Um, and they're telling the crowd all about what's been happening and how exciting it's been and how great it is um, in a quite sort of fast uh, duologue, um, like they're... It, they're, they're finishing each other's sentences and it's it's all kind of forming one piece of text that's mm. quite uh, beautiful and poetic. And then that's broken very abruptly for the um, the sex. Right, okay. <laughs> or the kind of like the, the task that they have to accomplish, which is the physical um, exertion of, of sex every hour on the hour. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and... Like is just the two of us as performers uh, doing an action over and over and over again, really, really fast, and completely committing our bodies to it. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that would be sort of one example of that, which yeah, is like it is disorientating and bizarre for people to experience that shift. I think. Yeah. Um, and is that shift... But also just kind of interesting. I don't know. Yeah. It's no, just, it's just something that we're interested in. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah I no. certainly am. And for you, does that interest come from a place of like a desire to like, oh, like 
enter into that experimentation? Is it largely a theatrical enterprise, or is it in your mind saying something about like the human experience? Well, I think I think it's both. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wish. I mean, I guess I hope you hope to sort of somehow touch upon the human experience. Sure. <laughs> through. Well, 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 some people, of course, feel differently. Where it's like yeah. if it's just a theatrical experiment, then it's sure it will only apply to theatrical undertakings moving mm. forward. But that's enough. But I certainly find myself a bit disengaged by that hypothesis or or that mindset because it's like if it applies to nothing outside of what you're doing on stage in front of me, what am I doing here? Yeah. 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 But so, what do you think it says about the human experience? That type of experiment of text versus bodies. Well, I guess it's just sort of encompassing both aspects. And, and like, in terms of if you look at theatre and you look at uh, sport, like, there, there's something about uh, the idea of theatre that seems, certainly from people who don't enjoy it, mm. that you're sitting in a room watching people talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, and when you bring in an element of athleticism or physical exertion into it, there's something that um, it's like people are absorbing it on a different level. It's like mm. they feel it in their bodies. Mm. And I guess you're sort of covering all the, not all the bases, but you're covering a fair, like, different ways into the human experience, mm. I suppose. Yeah. Storytelling versus, like, body reaction, mm. body function. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think, too, even just, like, to dwell on the sport thing for a second, like, it, too, has been a while since I went to a football game. But I think I, too, was, like, taken aback, even, like, to put aside, of course, the electric nature of those audiences. Mm. The audiences. The crowd. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <So laughs> I, I use them interchangeably now. <laughs> um, yeah, but, yeah, you're so right as well. Like, there's something so that is inherently kind of, like, transcendent of language when it comes to that sort of physical undertaking mm. of, like, a football game. Yeah. Where it's, like, you don't need to know what language they all speak. Like, it's all just, like, a physical competitive cesspit of, like... These people trying to wrestle each other. Yeah, like... and they're putting their—they're really putting their bodies on the line. Mm. You know, it's weird because it, there is a performance to it. Mm. Like, yeah, when they've—they've convinced that, like, when you see football is mourning, what, like the loss of a game, mm. it's devastating. Yeah, well, you see them uh, crouch down after they've lost the grand final, and it's the, one of the saddest things to witness. Oh. Uh, but you know, when you think about it, you're like, well, right, you're playing a game. <laughs> That's really fascinating, though. Like, I, I, until this conversation, have not thought about the idea of like even you saying that like they are putting on a performance. But it's like at the same time, sport seems to be also one of the most earnest things a person can do. Is, which yeah. is like, you but can't... it's also like they've convinced themselves that like that what they're doing is like. To, to do what they're doing, you kind of have to convince yourself that it's so important that it's life or death. And yeah. Technically, you know, it's it's a game. The outcome of the game, mm. I don't know. I mean, I guess they have, they have um, it'll it'll ripple out into the rest of their life in terms of their career. Sure. But it's like, it's just it's just interesting because the stakes feel so high. Yeah. But it, it is at the end of the day, you know, it's a game. But also it's not a game because you, they really are doing this with their bodies. Yes. And, and they must want to because the risk yeah. is so high. Yeah. Like you can lose a face, yes. you know, if this goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like people injure themselves so atrociously in this yeah. game. And yeah, my goodness. And then too, that thing that as well that you just mentioned, this additional component of like, there's a jumbo screen and like they have to do interviews afterwards yeah. and uh, I don't know, some of them also get like modeling contracts. It's like this strange additional veneer that seems a bit plonked on top mm. of things that I guess now I'm talking about it. It's like the way that I seem to have accidentally immediately romanticized the idea of how sincere football is because like, <laughs> it seems like it's not a game that you could play sarcastically very well. <laughs> no, I mean, of... how could you? You have to put it all on the line. Yeah. And I guess the best theater sort of feels like that, doesn't it? I guess so. Um, yeah. 
So, like, the the inherent links between these two things, mm. um, you know, they, they really exist, but also the disparity. Um, mm. And I guess the, this being an experiment of bringing them together and seeing what happens. God. And I guess the it really was, it did feel like an experiment every night. And... It like, and it felt like a so, different experiment each night? Yeah, yeah. Or, it was yeah. so dependent on the audience and the crowd and how much the crowd were willing to engage and in what way they were willing to engage because when you bring them, when you invite the crowd in mm. like it's a sporting match, they're all of a sudden, uh, like, everything changes. So how mechanically did that work? To the audience. So what did you do? So how did you set it up in terms of, like, was did the audience come in and they felt like a theatre audience that you then had to convince they were a sporting audience? Or did they enter as a sporting <laughs> audience... Yeah, and then um, they were tricked into theater. They entered more as a theatre audience. Okay. And were tri- we're tricked like? into being a sporting audience. Shit, but by yeah. the end of it, it's <laughs> like, yeah, now now we're in a sports game. Is that a choice that you guys made? I imagine it what, like, must have been. Mm. Is that a choice where it's like, they'll feel like they'll get programs, they'll get tickets, they'll sit down, they'll have wine, yeah. and then they'll see this show melt into dodgeball? Yeah, I think um, our, we made a lot of changes after our preview. Okay. Um, And our preview was probably a little bit setting up the sport a little bit earlier so okay. that you kind of you kind of entered into a space or sort of knew what you're in for yeah. but after preview we were like I think it actually functions better for the, the audience to kind of be eased into it and mm-hmm. to have to be like okay we're here to see a show and for it to turn into a sporting match okay sure <laughs> and you know why did you make that choice um I don't know I guess I just we just thought it was more impactful cool okay and kind of an interesting journey for an audience to go on mm. yeah okay it allows for a little more um, surprise. <laughs> yeah, fun. Okay, great. Yeah. Sure. And then how, how dramaturgically, was there much plot? Was it mostly dodgeball? Was it, what, how, yeah, how much of the yeah. story so did we So dramaturgically, um, I guess the, the sport, and we had, <laughs> so on the, on the, the sports side, representing yeah. the sports element of it, we yes. had a, a series of rotating athletes coming in. <laughs> Playing dodgeball. So these are athletes from the world of athleticism. Yeah. Is it, yeah. Sorry to talk so like got, a robot. No, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> athleticism. Uh, yeah. No, they are like people who played play sport. That's right. their kind of thing. Sure. I mean, not all of them are like professional sports players, but they're definitely in the sports world as opposed to in the theatre world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then Sam Nick's playing Stanley, who's very much in the sports world. Yep. Um. Uh, and because Sam does he he still plays football to some extent he does yeah, yeah. okay cool yeah um, how professionally where is he at <laughs> well you know I think he got brought over to America a bit a couple of years ago to play AFL in the US golly okay, uh, cool. professionally I'm yeah. fairly certain I don't know what what level that's like <laughs> yeah. in the in the US like how you know but I'm pretty sure that they paid him to do that so God. I guess you could call him a professional sportsman oh because in my head I've certainly put him on such a high pedestal like he's achieved so many things so <laughs> it's good to know that there are facts behind yeah, he's a pretty unique dude um, yeah right and really cool to see him kind of like straddling both those worlds with this show like the sports and the theatre oh um, oh, it's so nice that those two worlds exist so like yeah and but that's the thing and they can but often they don't mm. and um you know people i guess maybe it's sour grapes but people who work in the theater industry are like can speak very dismissively about sport and about mm. um people who are only interested in watching sport on television or going to watch a football game and why you know why won't they come and appreciate our art yeah 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 yeah. Um, oh my god no even even like sorry my mind is stuck on this mm. thing of as you were saying the difference between like words and body and mm. theater and sport 
and that I think even just like a, a conversation that for some reason is like is lo- like locked in my mind of me talking to my father during my like traumatic football playing days in my youth Ooh. and me just talking as you're saying very dismissively of like it's literally just like people running around trying to like kick a stupid ball between some sticks and it's like <laughs> Jay you could say that about literally any task anyone does ever you could just break it down into like it's rudimentary parts and it's like yeah you can you can say anything dismissively it's like yeah fair point Craig fair point <laughs> I but love this like, character of Craig. Oh my god! But, it's like, but that's totally the thing too. It was like, but but the part of what, as we just talked about, that the part of what makes, and I, you're certainly right too. And the thing you when you compare them, it's like theater largely as well. Like of course, language is beautiful, mm. but I think when you experience theater, that really really hits you and touches you. It feels like a physical experience. It does yeah, and it's yeah. like at you know the at, yeah at its best, that's what it does, mm. and it's. It's, yeah, it's so messy. And I just, we just found this really interesting, looking at these two things and the similarities and the differences. Between sport and yeah, theatre. and also yeah. the disdain that one has for the other, potentially. Did you also... learn anything about that disdain? Where are you at with your personal disdain? Oh, my personal and, disdain. Or even other people's. Do you have much of a personal, did you go in with the disdain towards the athletic? Um... <laughs> Yeah, maybe a little bit to begin with. I mean, when we first started talking about the show, which would have been in 2021, but I think um, as soon as you... St- and I guess because I haven't really played sport in a while, but as soon as you start playing sport, for me anyway, I've always preferred playing it to watching it. Okay. Um, it's like you, you just remember that there's something extremely accessible about sport. Like yeah. anyone can throw a ball, you know? <laughs> well, that's very ableist of you to well, say, I know, I, as soon as I said it, I said, <laughs> that's so not true. But... I mean, there are other forms of sport that you can participate in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the um, Paralympics are great. unable to throw a ball. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. yeah. No, no. <laughs> Please do not exit. Exi- exi- I-, I am not. <laughs> Be like, wow, I Elizabeth. I don't want to for anyone. <laughs> Um, no, no, yeah. no, but yeah, no, please, yeah, sport, yeah. What makes it accessible in the way that you're describing? Uh, well, I guess, you know, the, 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 the ability to, like, in terms of asking someone to uh, throw something or catch something is, for most people, a less intimidating prospect than perform a monologue for me. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's something that you kind of jump in and out of, uh, of it, that's, mm. that's, and I guess it's more, it's more likely to be a hobby, isn't it? someone playing sport than someone doing theatre. Theatre tends to kind of like, I guess you can do it as a hobby, but most people who are doing it are are trying to move out of the hobby space, aren't they? (laughs) Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. My mind is for some reason Mm. wanting to draw some distinction between the pressure to be good, Mm. I guess. Yeah. I don't know if that's a helpful thing to be bringing up at all. But uh, maybe... Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting because ultimately, would you say then the stakes are higher in the theatre, actually, as for the performer versus the player of the game? Mm. Like, uh, you know, in a way, if you drop the ball, like, people kind of expect things like that to happen. Mm. You don't really expect someone who's on stage performing as Hamlet to to consistently make mistakes. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. I suppose not once the show's up and running, I mm. guess. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I, I I guess there's something in the idea of athletes getting more and more chances to redeem themselves. That's it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's something for um, sure. And it's almost built into the dramaturgy of the sport. Mm-hmm. You will. <laughs> I will. People are gonna make mistakes all the time. Yeah. Like people drop balls. People kick each other. Like it's just yeah. that is what it is. And there's something in the thought of like if someone makes a mistake, it benefits like half the people yes! on the ground. Yes. Yeah. Whereas like if Hamlet fucks half- up, it's like Rosencrantz <laughs> is like yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, um, and and maybe this is a thing that potentially you were exploring in your work, which I'm excited to hear about. Um, um, if there's anything in the sense of like, 
is there anything that we could borrow from the world of sport when yes. instigating like a piece of drama where yes. it's like welcoming the idea of mistakes? And mm. is there a way where the mistakes could enhance the experience of the work for the other people in the show in some type of interesting way? Like, is there something in the thought of like, okay, Ophelia fucked her lineup, so she tags out and some other actor comes in yes, and now picks yes. up the role of Ophelia? Very much so. Mm. And the competition inherent in sport that makes people excited. Yeah. You know? Oh, yes. Um, you know, maybe that if that is introduced into a theatre endeavour, what mm. does that do to it? Yeah, what happens you know? if like the audience, after every scene, they judge how good the scene was? <laughs> And then what happens to the scene that wins? You know, do you see it again? Yes, what are all experiments that we, we must participate in? Because I just think it's really interesting. But in terms of the, the sort of dramaturgy of the show, mm. um, we have the sports sections, and it's sort of it's structured like an AFL game. So we have quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, quarter four, sure. halftime, mm-hmm. and then quarter times. Um, <laughs> and I guess Blanche, as a, as a competitor, is constantly trying to pull the work back into the world of theatre. Sure. She's trying to create narratives. Yep. She's trying to um, perform okay. and bring us into her, her own storytelling. Okay. Um, in a you know like a meta theatrical yeah so it's oh, sort right. of like on a on a meta theatrical level we're ki- we've kind of got these two forces that are pulling your attention in different directions okay uh, over the course of the show yeah yeah and Matt, what tools are at Blanche's disposal to try to instigate a traditional retelling of a streetcar named Desire um, I guess interpersonal connection how she is sort of interacting with the people around her and with her competitors and okay. with, and so also this is another element of the show that I don't think I mentioned <laughs> Tennessee Williams is 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 the referee okay <laughs> <laughs> and Tennessee okay. Williams has kind of instigated the whole thing in terms of the, like the yeah the, the story of the show. There's um, the story of sport versus theatre? Yes. Okay, yes, great. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Is this time-travelling Tennessee Williams? <laughs> I guess Tennessee Williams, uh, having dug his way out of his grave. It's zombie <laughs> it's Tennessee zombie Williams. zombie Tennessee. <laughs> good, respectful, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I imagine he had a tasteful accent. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> there so many tasteful accents in this show. <laughs> yeah, but mm-hmm. we kind of placed him in the position. And there's sort of a wider... Uh, narrative going on which is mirroring the way that A Streetcar Named Desire uh, transpires. Okay. It sort of, it roughly, loosely follows the story of Streetcar. Yep. The, the, the theatre narrative of the show. The one that Blanche is trying to instigate the yes, entire time. Yes. Yep, okay, cool. Um, and Tennessee Williams is sort of placed in the role of Stella. You know how Stella in the play is kind of torn between these two forces? Yeah. You know, she's got this um, like inexplicable kind of mystical physical connection with Stanley, mm. and she's got the kind of um, familial feeling for Blanche and that soft and, concern and she the, has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And the kind of connection to her past or mm. to the past. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing that seems so inherent in theatre: this idea that it's kind of from the past. <laughs> sure. Okay, um, yeah. You know, it's it's sort of a dying art form, like <laughs> fading. You know, Blanche is fading. Okay. Um, uh, Again, yeah. just a thing that made me sad, but continue. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, um, you know, Tennessee is stellar in that he's torn between these two factors. He's, mm-hmm. in, he's trying to remain impartial, yeah. uh, as Stella sort of does, but ultimately, obviously, chooses Stanley over her sister. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, Tennessee is the public. Tennessee is 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 the political situation. Mm-hmm. Um you know, he's, he's 
exemplifying a lot of things. Yeah, his algorithms, his, <laughs> his parents, yeah. He kind of looks like Beetlejuice because <laughs> he's wearing a striped suit. <laughs> <laughs> so many things. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So does that therefore mean with with whether or not it was part of the decision to sort of have him be the stellar character mm. or with the way that, presuming that the play, in whatever extent it still exists in the work, ends the same way that it does, is that emblematic of some choice that either you or like the other Bloomshed creatives, have you come to some sort of like, as your potentially like the thing you were in, like inquiring into or your hypothesis going in or your thought experiment about sport versus theatre, does that mean that you guys have kind of come to an... A, 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 you know, an idea about like have you answered that question of like what happens when theatre goes up against sport <laughs> well I think it's clear that it, it's, you're not going to win no <laughs> um, but that you're not going to get stamped out either because there's something as there is with Blanche Dubois there's something inherently resilient about it even after she's been carted away yeah I think yeah. so that we'll keep trying to survive I mean even as as the doctor leads her away she's like okay I'll make a new connection mm. you know what I mean like okay. it's sort of I guess she ultimately loses but I guess in our version anyway she she does lose mm. but theatre will find a way okay. <laughs> to continue to exist it's just a shame and a, a real tragedy that it doesn't have the resources to be like what it could be its value is so much less to, to our society mm. um, but I guess we as theatre makers feel the importance of it. And I think that the audience goes away feeling the importance of what storytelling is. From your show, you believe they left feeling that way? I hope so. Yeah, yeah, cool. I mean, I, that would be what I would hope. Yeah, I beautiful. Um, you know, you see the appeal and, and the enjoyment of sport and you also see the importance of theatre. That it's like, they both are fantastic and complicated and have problems within the industries themselves mm. you know there's a lot of problems with the sporting industry um but that uh these two things are both like vital to the experience of being human mm. but one of them is so much more valued right yeah god and how do you feel about the things that you learned about that as a, as a performer as an artist as a person did you have to wrestle with many emotions when you experienced this experiment taking place? <sighs> yeah, God. I mean, I suppose uh, probably partly what informed this work is is burnout. Yeah. <laughs> and feeling the, the impulse to continue to create, but also feeling how hard that is. Mm -hmm. How hard that is with the resources that we have as, as a group, I guess, as a company. I mean, we don't have... Where we, we, we're continuing to make work, but it is getting harder. People are getting older. People are... And, you know, when you're younger, you kind of just... This, the enthusiasm is so enormous. Hmm. That you're kind of happy to just do anything you can to continue to be part of it. Yeah. And I, I don't want to say necessarily that it's age, but it might just be tiredness. Like, the experience of having to sort of keep making these things happen and off off our own backs as well that is you know it is it is a struggle and it does take its toll and this particularly was really a difficult one to make happen and um that's probably informed the show pretty 
intensely. <laughs> so there's kind of a brutality to the show and Blanche's defeat, um, but also seeing the exhaustion and seeing the, the struggle um, that we've all experiencing and all have all experienced. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's it, it it has been difficult. And we've after we did Animal Farm, um, one of the most recent Animal Farm. Yeah, yeah, yep. the most recent one. Um, one of our, I guess you could say, mentors came up afterwards and was like, "You guys have done so much great work in the last couple of years. I I just worry about you. I worry about your future." Oh, <laughs> which I know it was a weird thing to say at the end of a yeah. show. <laughs> and we were like, "Oh, what do you what do you mean?" And he's like, "Well, this is the time when people start leaving the industry. Mm. Like when you're in your thirties, this is when people start uh, retraining and doing something else because it's so difficult." Yeah, and it's it's you know every every industry has its problems, every industry has its challenges, and I guess maybe anybody at this time of life might feel the difficulties of what they're doing and step back a little bit but it just seems particularly prevalent in the arts that people at this time in their lives you know maybe they're starting to have kids or maybe they're um just there's just burnout from from the years that have passed and continuing to to work together as a group like the bloom shed for example um and live your life and not be able to I guess pay the bills from the art that you're making is mm. it, it is a pretty enormous life choice to make um and it yeah it it does take its toll it will take its toll and i guess that's sort of what he was saying he was like so many this this is the point with which so many theater companies um indep- independent companies crumble under the weight um and I guess, yeah, we're at a bit of a crossroads or sort of were in making the show of can we, can we keep doing this? Mm. Do we need to rethink a way to do this more sustainably, um, emotionally, physically, financially? Uh, yeah, so it's a bit of a we'll see. Sure. <laughs> oh, which sounds like there's some kind of impending uh, no, breakup. Well, <laughs> but it's just, I'm just acknowledging that it's that it's hard. And no, I think yeah. that I think that a lot of people feel that. I don't know, how do you feel about it as a... Um, theater maker and, <laughs> um, and one who's been doing it for you know upwards of a decade <laughs> sure sure yeah god yeah no similarly yeah no one was told similar things mm. um yeah i remember rob reed very specifically being like when it comes to independent theater like it's very much a matter of like the last man standing like it's very much like you can do <laughs> yeah, it but yeah. like you need to find a way to keep doing it because very few people can yes um and it's it, it seems almost like irrespective of any sort of success it's about trying to foster your own longevity like do you like even look well, like you and of course you too. You you dabble in things that are a bit more mainstagey and a bit more like all the Shakespeare stuff and everything. Like mm. you certainly have you know fingers in pies outside of the independent theatre sector. Yeah. But in terms of even just like stuff with Bloomshed or even stuff on independent stages, like do you even with the shape of the brain that you currently have, like do you see yourself finding the fuel necessary to keep you on those stages for like indefinitely for a while longer, or are you where are you at with that? Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know, honestly, Jack. Yeah. I'm definitely at a point where I'm just not sure how to proceed. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, another thing that I guess was interesting in the show or to look at in the show is the the competition that is, do, that does exist in what we do. Um, as a performer, as a maker of work, you are always competing or it's hard to get away from the fact that you're competing for work. You're competing for opportunities. 
and there's not that many of them. <laughs> yeah. And that's exhausting. And if you're not someone who enjoys competition, it's a pretty shit life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you sort of feel like you're, you know, you're scrabbling around. You have to kind of consistently work on your own emotions to be like, I don't want to feel bitter about this. I don't want to feel you know, annoyed because someone else has got an opportunity that I haven't got. Yeah. Because that's not good for you. Oh, my God. But even that takes so much work to overcome. It does. You, yeah. you know, you have to consistently be watching yourself and making sure that you, you can be happy for your peers. But if it means that you don't, you, you know, you, you have to, it's going to impact you negatively to mm. not have had that opportunity. It, it is difficult and it takes energy. Oh, God. Because even that mm. grace that you're describing is one that I, it's difficult to see in others sometimes. Mm. It's, it's, it does, I certainly understand the thing that you're saying. Yeah, that, that competitiveness, which has long been a thing that I've done whatever I can to try to like alleviate for at least my like immediate surroundings. Like I quite early on in this whole career thing was very much like identifying that exact feeling. Like it was in some of my like deepest depressed theater going moments of like noticing that I was like wanting something to be bad because it meant that I wouldn't be competing with the artist making the work. It's like, that is like the death of artistry, the death of inspiration. And the death of community as well, which is kind of what we want. We want, yeah. What are we rooting for? And like, yeah. what are we working towards? Mm. And it's like, and imagine, like trying to imagine a world that is a bit more European, one of like intense collaboration and this desire to just like gravitate towards other artists that at the moment you really have a hunger to work with or you share some type of ideology or curiosity. Yeah. And that being where work is born. But yeah, this sense of like competition, because it's even like, e- truly even looking at experiences like the like the fringe closing night awards thing that mm. just happened mm-hmm. that that so many people were like as yourself did winning all these awards for things it's like i found myself too being so stu- like, i don't know just like being microwaved by this sense of like totally and it's such a mixed blessing well like mm. even if it is a blessing because it's like you know you want the opportunities you want a, some kind of a platform to receive help yeah you know? and a war and a war board depending on what the award is will kind of give that to you yeah but you know, you, you are then again introducing this element of competition that yeah. is not good for the creation of art. I'm glad you think that. Yeah. I, I don't know that it is. Because plenty yeah. of people would disagree. I've had a few conversations. Well, even I think like, you need the competition factor to actually keep making good work. Well, and some people think too, it's, it's like, true. oh, like I, I love the validation of it. I love being told that my thing is good. And it's like, I think that too is a thing that mm. I, I've certainly worked hard to stamp out inside of myself. And I think too, yeah. as I've railed on, like even on this podcast, a number of times about like determining what art is good and bad is not interesting or generative of any sort of like interesting artistic discourse and moves so little so far forward because it just eventuates in the thing that is good becoming the marker for good and then that just being replicated by other people which is not an inspiring thing to witness even as an audience member um yeah but um yeah yeah at that ceremony and then like afterwards leaving just like yeah i felt myself just being kind of like yeah the exact feelings you're describing that sort of like weird uninspiring frustration of like we're still doing this like we're all in this festival that is sort of like on paper, supposed to be like all of us just playing around in glittery sludge, yeah. you know, and that's that's beautiful. That that very striking image you described of like Sydney Fringe being like <laughs> like like uh, just yeah, the tents in a car park. It's like yeah, that's really beautiful and exciting to me. And it's the community that we've talked about a couple of times right here. Yeah. Um, Yes, that really excites me. And anything that impedes that sense of community Mm. and and makes people less willing to be adventurous and make strange things and mix sport and theatre and make these things with anything on their minds beyond just trying to try something out and thinking that something could be cool and that being enough of a thing. Like to think of a fun title and then just make the show because the title's funny. (laughs) That is much more exciting to me than someone being like, okay, we are going to win that award. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, we're gonna wow these judges who are smarter and better than all of us. Like that, that is just yeah, a real bullet to the face. <laughs> which is not quietly. true. Get, oh, 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 not just, I'm not no, tearing down any judges, but no, I'm no, saying no. like they're just people in the industry who are doing work just like you. you sure, know, yeah, yeah. Like, who have just happened to be asked to, to be the arbiter of what, what is sort of fitting in with the criteria, which is like what, you know, what you're judged on. You're judged mm. on a specific criteria. Um, yeah, because what was, what was your, because you judged in this fringe, yes? I did, yeah. yeah. For fringe or for green room or for... Uh, oh, not for green room, no, for, for fringe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I was sort of in a weird situation where the show I was in was initially in... Um, the experimental category and then they moved it into theatre and okay. I'd been asked to judge for theatre so I was like I don't want to do this because this is weird and they were like well yeah but we need we need a certain amount of people to be doing this so you just do the first week and don't participate in any conversation about your own show you cool. okay. how that kind of worked yeah. I'm just afraid that there's some sort of <laughs> like it sounds like it's corrupt on no. some level <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, I'm gonna blow I, this thing wide open. Yeah. This is... <laughs> but no, it's all above board. And yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like as a judge, you are looking for um, t- for shows that fit a certain criteria. That is what the Fringe Festival, as an entity, wants to reward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, it might not be that your show is sort of fits in with that criteria, um, but it might be a fantastic piece of art that's really interesting and and really touching and you know I might as an individual really really like it but when put up against the criteria it doesn't match up so mm. you know that's not going to get nominated for an award um yeah which and then that person or that group goes thinking oh well there's been a judgment made here about this show like that this this show's not as good it doesn't deserve an award it's like no it's not about being good it's actually like you know, it's like getting um, uh, getting a mark at school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the teachers have to grade on a on a on a basis of criteria. Yeah. Um, and is that yeah. with you as a yeah having experienced it as a judge? Mm. Is it? Do you find some cool inspirational stuff in like even like the judgy side? Like even outside of what I imagine is you see a bunch of really exciting work. Yeah. I imagine that's great. Yeah, so that's yeah. the best thing about it for me anyway. That's what I really enjoy is yeah, that cool. you it sort of forces you because of like they give you a certain amount of things to see, it forces you to see stuff that you wouldn't normally see. Yeah. And you know, sometimes that means you see something that you don't enjoy. But also <laughs> like both times I've done it, there's been shows that I absolutely loved uh, that I was completely surprised by and I had no concept like would never have gone to see it on my own you know (laughs) do you have like a a recollection of one like one such experience oh yeah last year um I my favourite show of the festival was called uh, you were all invited to my son Samuel's fourth Fourth birthday birthday party party. (laughs) oh James had such a wonderful time at that show oh my god oh how did you find it I absolutely loved it and it was so strange and hilarious and amazingly written mm. fantastically performed like but but again just a show that i like because i tend to prioritize my friends work yeah. <laughs> and um things that i'm like on the on a surface level interested in i probably wouldn't have seen that yeah. if i hadn't been like allocated that as a show to judge and because was a- there something about the surface level of that show that was like this will not be a good time for me no no but it just wouldn't it wouldn't have like 
you know, grabbed my eye or yeah, cool. grabbed my interest necessarily mm-hmm. um, because it ended up being quite different to what it, it seemed like, you know, in reading about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, which I, I, I don't think you need to be a judge necessarily to have those experiences. Maybe you just need to be stern with yourself in sure. terms of like what you're willing to go and look at. Yeah, like, be like, to, to, I'm just going to commit to seeing some, ran, some random thing that I have no connection with. Oh, if you can risk the ticket price, 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, That's nice. And this year there was another one that I saw that was at the Bluestone Arts Church Space, which you and I have a long oh, history of. Oh, that beloved church. Oh, my God. With. Yes. <laughs> we will um, haunt that church the moment yeah. we get a chance. And I was yes. like, oh, fuck, I don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go to Footscray. <laughs> Why? No. Because of Footscray or because of... <laughs> well, just because it was out of my way in terms of like... Because you're like, oh, yeah, I can see a whole bunch of stuff at the hub because it's all right there. Yeah. It's like, no, or I, I can go to Footscray. I have to get on a tram and walk 10 minutes from the station <laughs> to the church with the echo. Um, so I was like, oh, fuck, I've really drawn the short straw here on this one. And then the show was called Someday We'll Find It. Yeah. And it really blew me away. Oh my god! So it, you just don't know, and that's that's the best thing I think about about judging. I think that the probably the the difficult thing is actually just having to exist in that space in your brain where you are constantly um, critiquing is probably not the word, but evaluating. Hmm. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Evaluating what you're witnessing, which is a different a different space to going into a show and just experiencing what it has to offer. You know. Oh, sure. Is that part of what yeah. you don't necessarily like enjoy about the evaluation part is the way that it impedes? Well, just sort of, I don't know. Well, I guess like you, I sort of wonder about, I wonder how healthy it is. <laughs> to be that type of audience industry. member. Yeah, oh, to sure. be kind of evaluating what's in front of you consistently. Yeah. Rather than, I guess, being receptive to it. Right. Mm. Okay. And are you, are you currently at a place of still weighing up stuff with that or have you settled on something? No, no settling. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Mightily confused about it. <laughs> Um, yeah, conflicted. But also, yeah, how, I mean, how then do you sort of decide who gets these opportunities? Like mm. my, uh, you know, should it be a, like a, a raffle? <laughs> um, a lottery. A lottery that would happen like when? Like a lottery of funding. Where oh my God. Where you go into the lottery and then, um, you know, you might be lucky. And, Elizabeth, you know, that's really exciting. <laughs> Rather than being like based on merit that is not objective anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. No, the sense of like, yeah, and now the random $10,000 grant will go too. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, and, and you have to present this work again at next year's festival and we will see what it is when you give it a year to develop and $10,000. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Or you might like, I don't know, you might also get some sort of collaborators to add some eyes or something. Oh like, my God. In terms of the, yeah, no, I just, I, th- I think it's, yeah, I, would that generate a more healthy sort of feeling amongst people? Because then it's up to chance. It's not about competition. Yeah, my God, that's exciting. Yeah, but maybe I'm, is it just the concept of getting arts grants that I'm... <laughs> is that all that <laughs> we're pitching? That's exciting too. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but the thought that you could, yeah, go into a festival like this and then just mm. pop out of it with like a... Yeah, a bunch of money to encourage you <laughs> by chance. Yeah. That, God, that's exciting. I, a question stuck in my mind to backtrack what feels like 25 minutes ago. Yeah. Did, <laughs> to go back to dodgeball for a second, mm-hmm. um, with the athletes that you got involved, yes. did any of them say anything interesting about <laughs> theatre or about this sport versus theatre thing? Um, there, there was one particularly chatty sportsman yeah. who came in. Uh and he did the show and afterwards he was like, wow, 
I've never felt anything like that before. Oh. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, that is such a different feeling to, you know, to playing a sporting game. Like, that environment is, like, the, 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 the feeling in your body is completely different in a theatrical setting as, as someone who's kind of standing up and doing it. And, you know, it wasn't like he was doing any acting necessarily, mm. but he was like, that, that adrenaline kick is, is enormous and um, kind of magical. Which is an interesting thing yeah. to hear. <laughs> and very distinct from the one that he feels while playing sport. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, I think it was interesting to see the athletes that we brought in get more and more invested in the creation of the work. Oh. I know, which is really cool. Oh. It's like, and, and I guess that's almost the hope of the show as well, that people who, people who don't necessarily want to go to the theatre would come and enjoy the sport and then kind of find themselves being surprised or carried through with the story of it. And mm. like, oh, actually, theatre, this theatre is a lot more than just people talking to each other. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, golly. Um, so anyway, on the subject of like burnout, mm. which is a thing that we sort of touched on a little bit, in a, a sort of like a macro sense. Um, yeah, what, what, what did, have you, did you, do you feel like you experienced a lot of burnout or like emotional, physical wear down? From dodgeball. Yes, yes, very much so. But I mean, I I guess it didn't really help that I got a virus just before we... Yeah, so the week before, <laughs> we had four more rehearsals. So like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday before we bumped in on the Monday. Yeah. And um, I got sick on the Friday. God. I started developing sore throat and burning eyes, and I was like, oh, here we come. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I caught a virus from a certain show that I watched. You watched? <laughs> I learned afterwards that everybody in the show was really sick, and I was in the front row. What do you mean? I know! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so everyone, what, you found out after you saw the show that it was like just a sea of COVID? I That's... think so. Oh, I don't, don't think it was COVID, and then I don't think I ever tested positive for COVID, but okay. also... Maybe it was COVID. But what, a whole Would've cast been. had the sniffles and then, what? Yeah, so okay. like a day after, after that, um, after I went to see it, yeah. they actually made a rule where people had to sit further back rather than the front row because they was t- they were all like experiencing symptoms and things. And That's incredible. Yeah. What? Yes. Could you tell they were sick? No. <laughs> No, they were amazing. They did a fantastic show. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, Oh, my God. Okay. I've literally wished for people to have that level of gumption when it comes to theatrical undertakings. It's like, yeah, if you're all sick, I still want you to get up there and fucking (laughs) do Streetcar Named Desire. (laughs) Well, you should have come see the show. (laughs) Um, Oh, golly. So I was very, um, it was a really horrible virus, too. Like, I felt really ill. Because I'm an asthmatic, everything goes into my chest. Yeah. So I was unable to come in until the Monday, I think. And yeah, when was so opening rested, night? So, so, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Opening night was when... Oh, we had our preview on Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. And you came in on the Monday? Actually, no. Now I come to think of it because that was that was the tech day. Okay. So I actually came in on the Tuesday. Uh-huh. Um, but I was still really ill. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> um, still had like a horrible, rattly disgusting mucusy cough mm. happening hot yeah uh, yo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um an enormous amount of exhaustion yeah um yeah and sort of post-viral sniffles yeah and you're in yeah. arguably like the worst show to be in when you have a like a respiratory concern oh, yes yes oh yes how did you handle that um 
Well, not well. Okay. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I kind of handled it by being grumpy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually something, like, a factor. I mean, going into this, everyone was already experiencing burnout from from Animal Farm. Uh, really? Because well, how long ago did Animal Farm close? Well, Animal Farm officially closed in Melbourne, I think, in July. Okay. But then for pretty much a month after it closed, we were touring. So coming back and doing a tour here and there um, mm. in rural areas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I guess um, it was, you know, it was a hard, not quite as hard as dodgeball, but huh. like in retrospect. But it, was, it wasn't an easy season. Um, you know, we had a couple, like there were a lot of days booked in and we had double shows. God. It was a very physically demanding show, Animal yeah. Um, for some, like for some of the roles. Yeah. Um, we had one day where we essentially managed. We're, we're doing three shows a day, oh and because we had to film it in the middle of the day, and then oh. and then come back the next day and do two shows, like one in the morning, one in the sort of late afternoon. Oh. Um. So and, and like, ugh, I don't know. It's hard because I don't. I. I know that people complain a lot about this and I don't want to be someone who complains about this work that we do because it's a privilege and it's this it's extremely rewarding sure but as you know making a show creating a show from scratch mm. it's um it takes a lot out of you yeah yeah and Animal Farm did and I was also simultaneously working on my other jobs to try and keep like surviving mm. money coming in yeah. which meant that I was doing like for consistently really super super long days um, of work and then coming in to do a show in which you're experiencing the adrenaline in your body that you get from being in a car crash you know yeah. um, also came straight off the back of the crucible which of course the crucible um, yeah was wonderful and a and like a, a again a very rewarding experience but it was a three hour play <laughs> <laughs> Hey, and your character doesn't win. <laughs> oh, she does not win. Much like Blanche Dubois. She, yeah. Um, yeah, which was emotionally draining. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't a physically demanding show for me, but it was in in that in any kind of emotion that you experience will affect your body. Yeah. It did. Um, yeah, and literally jump, like finishing that and then going straight into the rehearsal room for Animal Farm. Um, and not just as an actor, as a creator and a maker and a writer and a director and everything that you end up being when you're working collaboratively yeah uh yeah so this <laughs> like everyone going into the show also um james jackson who's the creative director he his wife emily uh was pregnant <laughs> and during during animal farm they had some some issues that they had to deal with like just like everything's fine baby Great. is baby is well and Great. present and happy yeah. um but uh yeah, there's a newborn in the mix in terms of the creation of this show, Dodgeball. God. Like, you know, James is trying to juggle taking care of a fresh human. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and being there for Emily and Yeah. Um Yeah, so it's it's it was a huge endeavour for him. Hmm. Um, you know, first time dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I I just had not had the recovery time from the last few shows that I've been involved in to kind of enter into dodgeball feeling ready for it yeah. and feeling kind of refreshed. Um, 
And I'm sorry to say, and very ashamed to say, that that did result in me being kind of an unpleasant person a lot of the time <laughs> to be around. Sure. Um, and kind of, you know, when when you're down to the wire and the stress is so big mm. <laughs> uh, and the time is so little because yeah. we sort of pushed it back as far as we could, mm. um, you know, you, it feels like all of a sudden you don't have time for tact. Right. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I just no, inhaled my saliva. Um, you don't have time for for kind of being polite and pleasant to people because, you know, it's really urgent. Like mm. fixing this show, and it, it does become a problem to be fixed rather than an exciting endeavor to be going about making together. It's sure. Like, how can we fix this? How can yeah. we fix this? This is a problem. What do we do? Like. Um, yeah. Oh my god, no. And especially if you're like <laughs> physically unwell, especially. Yeah. Like sometimes the energy that's required to engage with pleasantries oh. is one of the first like uh, first things to be like <laughs> jettisoned, you know? Yeah. And I think that's and kind it's of horrible. Yeah. Like I feel really bad about it. I don't think I was very nice to a lot of the people around me at that time. Sure. But um, I suppose too though, I imagine you got a lot of problems solved. Because I yes. feel like, too, when it also comes to, like, theatrical problem solving, as you're saying, under time pressure, and when you've all made the, un- like, you understand together, like, contractually, not in a legal sense, mm. in a like, creative sense, it's like, you all want the show to be great, yeah. and you all want the problems to get solved, and it's yeah. like, if politeness is going to get in the way of those solutions, <laughs> I think you can absolutely make an argument for those things to be obstacles that should be overcome for a little while, at least. Yeah, you know? yeah, and look, I think, at the end of the day, I guess, as we went on to perform the show... Things became good again. <laughs> sure, yeah. But um, in the lead up, it was really hard on everyone. I think like every, mm. everybody was probably under a lot more stress than they normally would be under. And was it more stress, or were being... they just like not equipped to handle like a typical level of stress, or was there a lot of stress with this show specifically? Well, I, I guess there was a lot of like the big things that were stressful. I suppose were the time pressure. Yeah. Um, the lack of availability for people because mm. everybody was trying to juggle work. And I guess the people who sort of um, said no to work for Animal Farm were kind of like trying to catch up on all that. So trying to mm. catch up on the stuff, that the life stuff that they missed. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, so attendance at rehearsals was extremely variable, um, you know, and that puts more pressure on the people that are there because they're like, well... Like, how can we do this? How how are we going to catch you up? How are we going to, mm. you know, there's less people to work on the thing. So it, it just creates more pressure, I suppose. Mm. So this sort of time, um, lack of people's availability, um, and probably also the nature of the show, because it, it was something quite different to anything that we've done before mm. as a group. Yeah. It was a lot more interactive and a lot more experimental in terms of the form of it Mm. and we really didn't we're trying to make decisions about how how it was going to go or what we were going to do creatively without actually having an audience to test it on because in this particular situation having a crowd was so important to the show like it completely changed the nature of the work and i guess you've never proven Um, that you can do that before so you can't rely on old techniques we haven't really had no idea whether how that was going to go or whether it was going to be a disaster and i guess that's what that's what an experiment is, I suppose. You mm. don't, you don't know. You don't know if it's going to work. Yeah. And we really didn't know if it was going to work, and that added sure. extra pressure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. God. Um, yeah. yeah. And then yeah, just the physical pressure of of um, being available again to do something as big as this so soon after the last one. Mm. 
Mm. God. All right, sure. And is there a way that you would like... I don't know if it always feels the same for you, but when it comes to that type of like post-show burnout, mm. um, is there a way that you would characterize it that sort of like sets it apart from other types of inner fatigue? Man, I mean, it's difficult because I guess in my case, it wasn't just post-show burnout, it's also life burnout. Yeah, right. Like, as in the, the work that I've been doing or the work that I was doing, interacting with the show and the general sense of, like, having to reconsider how I run my life yeah. and my work life and what I say yes to and what I say no to in the future. Mm. Like, these are all things that sort of came upon me at once. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... I don't know if you get this, but when you're really in a kind of a burnout space, it's difficult to prioritise or to um, uh, distinguish between catastrophic thinking and Mm -hmm. clear thinking. Yes. So you're like, oh, my God, I have fucked up my entire life. Yes. I'm, you know, heading in my (laughs) mid-30s and I don't have any of the things that I should have and I'm tired and I'm unwell. Mm. And And I'm in charge of this. Yeah, I'm responsible for this. Yes. Which just... It just makes it even worse, doesn't it? Like, it's a real spiral. Mm-hmm. That is the makings of a spiral right yeah, there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Why is no one saving me? <laughs> um, yeah, but in terms of, I guess, specific show burnout, it robs you of the joy of creating. God, okay. Yeah. Um, and I guess we were... I, I personally was able to, like, scrape some enjoyment mm. <laughs> out of this experience... Um, once we'd kind of opened and once then it was a situation of sort of experimenting every night with how to perform the show because we didn't really know how to perform it until we had a crowd and then it was like things would sort of unlock themselves and we were like oh right okay so that's how Mm. to kind of totally manage that rather than being having like a director in charge of these things we were experimenting every night finding the best way to do things yeah um yeah, and I think that was really exciting and fun. And it was really, it, it does help to have people come to your show. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> um, and no shade to you, Jake, totally understand. <laughs> but, like, um, it was interesting for me in that realising because this had been such a difficult thing to do for mm. me, and like even yeah, as I was still recovering from being sick, mm. getting up and playing sport every night, which is something that I've never done in my life. I've never played sport every evening, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> unless you count down ball. But anyway, that's yeah, yeah, I'll, another I'll, story. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, like putting so much into it, uh, and w- like it became for me kind of toxic in terms of my feelings about it, when people in my life or people that are important in my life weren't able to make it. Yeah. And it's like completely reasonable that people can't make it sometimes because that's sure. life. Yeah. But it's like, I am doing so much and putting all of myself into this. Yes. It feels like a personal slight when people Oh my God, because if, if me talking to this hypothetical friend, mm. if you did something into which you put as much as I continue to put into these things I'm yes. doing, of course I would be there. Yes. Oh my God. And I would love to see whatever the fuck that thing is. You know, if you were doing what you and I, and you very likely you, sweet listener, uh, are putting into the art that we produce, 
if some other person, if they're in some sort of a corporate job, if they were to tell me, look, I've put so much work into this presentation I'm doing, and it's a PowerPoint presentation, and it's about like an office place dynamics, and I just love it, and I need you to see it because it's I'm falling apart. Or even if they didn't <laughs> say that they wanted me to see it, but they're like, I'm doing. It's like, can I come? Yes. Like, of course I want to see this. Yes. You put this much of your, you're, you're willing to be so miserable for this thing that you are doing. Yeah. Golly, I want to see what that is. Totally. And I would hate to think that you would think that I don't have an interest in that thing. <laughs> it would devastate me for you to think that I'm that type of friend that wouldn't want to see that thing yeah. or support you in yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just like learning that people, a lot of like, not everybody thinks that way. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if. Maybe it's working particularly in a creative industry, but like I don't know that people realize how much of you is in what you've done, yeah, and how much it, how personal it feels when people can't like don't make it, yeah, and you know when they're flippant about it in some way. Mm. But it's also that's also really embarrassing. Do you find that really oh embarrassing? Like Deeply it's embarrassing. kind of mortifying. Oh my goodness! Because I'm like I don't want to be that needy. Wait, what do you find embarrassing? Like, do you find the emotion embarrassing? Yes. Like, you, oh, oh. <laughs> Oh. Like I, I, and I'm someone who's like so embarrassed about um, advertising shows that I mean, yeah. you yeah. know, because the idea of being like, please come and please come and see my thing, please come and validate my existence mm-hmm. and my yes. my creation. Oh god, no, that's why I, I always so I can, embarrassing. Oh my god, that's what the only version of that shit I can do is the thing of like, this is happening. Come if you want to. Yes. The only that's the only version of advertising I can do for my mm-hmm. own things mm-hmm. because any any time that I'm ever like, which I have not been like for a long time, I've been like, please come, please, I'll give you a discount code if you just oh, come. It's like yeah. no, I would rather you just not come if that's what I need to do. <laughs> if I need to get that snivelly to get you to this production, that's not going to happen. I would rather there be seven people there that want to be there yeah. than even have you experience me as you're saying embarrass myself on social media. <laughs> <laughs> to be like, oh, because it's like I, and I don't even think it's because I don't think I should have to, but it's just not. I'm not built to be a beggar. I don't think, oh. and that's not coming from a place of wealth or even that much <laughs> dignity. I just don't think it's fun. No, I don't. Yeah. But also for you, is it about the confidence in your own creation? Because I often, because I'm so terrified as I'm making something or working on something that, like, it's gonna be bad or people won't like it in right. some way. Um, that is part of it for you, is the fear of it being bad and then people coming seeing it and being like, oh, Elizabeth sucks yeah, at this. Yeah, she sucks as a person right. because of what she's made. <laughs> oh, sure. You know? That's um, really interesting. Oh, it's it's not healthy. I know it's not healthy. God. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad, yeah. But it's like, um, yeah, God, what was I saying? Oh, that's right, yeah. So <laughs> it's it, you sort of take it personally and, and the idea is, oh, you know, come if you want to, but, you know, no pressure. Yeah. But deep inside, I'm like, please come. Yeah. <laughs> Because I want to share this with you. Yeah. Oh, God, there's plenty of people who are like, yeah, I feel that. That's probably the healthiest aspect of it. It's like, I want to share this thing that I put a lot of effort in with you. Mm. Even if you don't, like, enjoy it or like it, I'd love to have your experience of what it was like. Yeah. Because sometimes it's like, it feels like it's like, yeah, I put so much into it. I would love you to see it specifically. Mm. And it's like, part of it is because I feel like... It'll be like the two of us having like 400 conversations. Yes! You know, this is so intimate and open and like I'm going to be giving you so much of myself. Yeah. And I'm excited for you. There's not a lot of people that I want to give that much of me to. And I would love you to take Mm. some part of that amount away from this production. There's something so intimate. You're so right. It is, yeah. yeah. And, it's, and I think it's it's weird. And but but again, maybe this is partly because I'm so I was so burnt out and so stressed by this whole experience yeah. that everything was heightened. Right. So 
when people would come to the show and talk to me about it afterwards, I'd just be like, I love you so much. Oh. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. You have no idea how much I appreciate this. Oh. And then people who didn't make it, I would just be really salty with them. Yeah, no fair. <laughs> older sister. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, and it's yeah. like, but I'm like, logically I know that I'm being irrational and unreasonable. Uh, but what is logic? But emotionally <laughs> it's like this is so important to yeah. me. No. Um, well no but that's a thing know. but when it comes to like as you are saying mm. behaving like emotionally healthily mm. I don't think there's anything emotionally unhealthy about wanting to be that if we're describing it as a style of intimacy and openness that of course is a very healthy thing to be offering a person. I suppose when it comes down to being emotionally healthy about it though is like giving people the boundaries right? Mm. So it's like letting a person know that it matters to you for them to be there and giving yeah. them all the tools yeah. necessary like as with and this is probably very pedestrian and you know this already you're very smart but it took me a while to learn the thing of like if you want someone to be able to love you efficiently as the person who like wants to love you wants to you need to give them the information necessary for them to do it and it's like it's almost like a love language but it's yes, also like I'm it, scared of it it's oh my god it's just <laughs> partly because I'm like oh I'm going to set this boundary and they're going to be like well bye then <laughs> it's not worth doing this much work to get to spend time with you you fuck face but it's like yeah being able to as I've had, like, had with a couple of people in a very yeah. warm way the thing of like it matters a lot to me to have you here it would mean a lot if you could be here and it hurts sometimes that you don't feel the compulsion to yeah um, it's a yeah as you're saying an embarrassing conversation but it one is. that I would want the people I care about to have with me if, it, if I was somehow neglecting part of their needs that I could mm. provide and I would want to provide is it, yeah, a thing I've had to learn because I get that feeling. But it's like, do you worry sometimes, I, and I guess I worried sometimes about this, that, that somehow I'm, I'm putting too much of myself into it, that there's actually too much... Into your work. Or, yeah, or there's, too, there's, there's not enough distance there. That it, that it would mean so much, that it feels like a personal rejection when people don't come. Because, mm. you know, it's not, like, necessarily a personal rejection. Sure. I mean, I, I posted in one of my groups, um, my, like, work groups, yeah. people that I work with regularly. Yeah. Um, and they're theatre people as well. Mm. Uh, and I don't often do that because I'm so scared of, like, pushing it on people. Yeah. Um, but because I thought that this group would enjoy it and because I was sort of... I don't know. I guess I just wanted to share it with people. Yeah. Um, and they're theatre people that yeah, like I'm you. Yeah, I'm pretty mild, kind of like, <laughs> hey, um, you know, I don't often post about shows, but I just think you guys would enjoy this. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a couple of more nights. Um, it'd be great to see you there. Sort yeah. of stuff. Uh, yeah. And a very small, like, that didn't seem to have much of an effect in terms of people attending. Yeah. And, but that's like, that should be okay. Sure. Sure. <laughs> um. And yet it took me a bit of time to be like, to kind of forgive those people and be yeah. like, yeah, but these, you know, they're not going to drop everything. To, like, people have lives. They have complex lives. Mm. Um, and that's that's okay. Sure, sure. <laughs> but, even, but even thinking about that, like, I think that's also super duper fine because the thing that we're, we're doing is quite absurd. <laughs> and I think it's kind of like part of why we're not necessarily drawn to it, but because of like... The reason that we're still in it, I guess, yeah. is because of the largeness of the emotions and the amount of ourselves that we're willing to give to this thing because we believe that it matters so much. Like the same reason that athletes are willing to give up so much of their lives and their time and their energy and their bodies for the thing they care about, mm. which is never considered to be a crazy thing to do, by the way. No, that's true. Right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we're going to give so much of ourselves to this thing, but I think it's therefore fine and would be fine regardless. Like whatever it is to you that you consider to be like a grand romantic gesture, <laughs> like even outside of like a sex relationship. <laughs> 
like a romantic gesture. It's like, it's someone holding your hand on a train. It's someone like looking in your eyes while you eat spaghetti. It's going to someone's play. You know, these are really grand yeah. romantic things to be doing for or a person. Or engaging in a conversation afterwards about what they experienced and what they thought. And This is a list of some of the most beautiful things that have ever happened. And it's like... And it, it makes sense for that to be, because it's like, it's only as wonderful as it is. Like, you get to have that experience in the foyer of just like, I love you so much for coming. It's like, that's gigantic. And it makes sense that the mirror of that is like, you didn't come. <laughs> God, yeah. You know? Yeah, I guess You so. know, if you're going to have one, you sort of have to have the other one, you know? Yeah. And I, guess I, so. and I don't know I just what... worry that it's like, in terms of uh, sort of individual psychological health that it's detrimental no <laughs> no, no that i don't think so think no i mean I, i'm famously not qualified to be a psychologist <laughs> of any sort but no no i think no i've no there's nothing wrong with that type of resentment mm. no i've got plenty of those inside <laughs> of me no and i think and i think those resentments help you identify in the same way that like like jealousy and envy is a positive experience because it shows you what you want yeah. you know i think it's the same thing as like oh i resent that in a person mm. and it's like it helps you behave with more integrity i think and i think it is another reason too this isn't me talking to you <laughs> elizabeth <laughs> but it's like it's another reason too to like to establish with people it's like if you come to this thing or you don't come to this thing is emotionally significant to me yeah you know and uh, yes i'm also a bit embarrassed by that fact <laughs> but it's like unfortunately <laughs> yeah, yes yeah yeah but it's the same thing of like look if you keep talking in the movies i can't keep going to the movies with you it's really annoying <laughs> is that a real thing for you um oh oh i'd say it would be <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit case by case, but generally speaking, yes. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Right. You <laughs> I should say, never go to the cinema together because I talk love the a good chat. Through the movie? <laughs> well, like specific points. What I like specific points. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like going to talk through the whole thing, but okay. I will definitely have something to say. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly it's to do with like other people's comfort. I just get worried about like people like wanting to shush us. Yeah. If, if the cinema's empty, we can talk absolutely. If there are just like, two other people far away, we can whisper <laughs> stuff. But yeah, no, that's that's a line for me. Okay, that's <laughs> I'm glad Good we established this. I'm glad to know this line. Yes. Uh, yeah, God, what was I going to say? Something else about yeah. something. <laughs> was it about people going to shows? Was it about... I think it was about people going to shows. Oh, no, that's right. Okay, so mm. when people don't yes. uh, go to your show, yeah. and again, this might just be me and a really kind of negative... Um, slant on things yeah but that you start to like it starts to prod the little insecurities you have about your own worthiness to do what you're doing where you're like if with I have them to, specifically or generally just generally where okay. you're sort of like oh well if i have to beg people to come and see my work like you know is what's the value of it like you know people should want to and if they don't then isn't that kind of like the interest of people kind of voting with their feet <laughs> and being like and like you know, and and mm. and getting getting the um the little sore spot that has to do with people's maybe, disinterest. Yeah, 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 or not not being as successful as maybe you'd like to be. Right. And success, there's a whole bunch of different ways to measure success. I know, but uh, it's interesting because like. So I went recently. I had a very small job with Bell Shakespeare Company. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was doing a reading for them at Melbourne Uni, mm -hmm. um, and I was chatting to the other actors involved who had all worked with Bell Shakespeare before, and like in talking about the work that I was doing, the work that I guess I'm proud of, the independent yeah. stuff that I've made, and you know I've done other things obviously, but I was talking specifically about Animal Farm. There was just a little bit of a sense um, of. A slight, oh, oh, it's independent theatre. Oh, yeah, I used 
you know, I used to have my finger on that pulse, but I, I don't really anymore. Mm. And the feeling like, you know, they're, they're talking about the the MTC dressing rooms and comparing them mm. with other dressing rooms from other main stage theatres. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it, it, it's that sort of thing that, that maybe I'm not sort of strong enough and confident enough to be like, yeah, but, you know, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. <laughs> um, maybe because, you know, a lot of the time at the moment I'm not because I'm so burnt out trying to make it all work together. Yeah. But the, the sort of inferiority complex of, oh, am I not successful enough? <laughs> mm, for these people in this room? Well, or... like, depending on who... I mean, people who work in film think people who work in theatre are kind of, like, somehow a lower class of performer or, you know, different... Like, people are always dealing with their own insecurities that makes them project a sense of superiority mm. or a sense of deficiency onto another group of people yeah and well i wonder yeah. how much that actor felt great about being able to say to you that oh i've lost interest in independent that's theater. the thing or like yeah. i've lost track of it like yeah. you know there's you know is that person in and of them so who was a nice person like, sure no no shade to them sure oh plenty but, like, of nice people have insecurities um, yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's like are they trying to make sure that i know that they're successful uh, that is the evil reading of that behavior. <laughs> yeah. Well, not evil, but also like you not know, to me that's evil. Trying to try because because it, because being a performer is such an exercise of self promotion. Yeah. Kind of and a belief be, in one's worth. Have to be making people like convincing people that you're successful like all the time. Yeah. Um. You know, and it's it's gross, and that's an it adds into the whole picture of burnout that exists and yeah, having yeah. to deal with this sort of constant boying yourself up at being no I deserve to be here I'm worthy of being here yeah and goes back um, to that spiral also, you described am I yes, worthy of being here that's the thing yeah Maybe and then I'm you not. look for like where is the evidence <laughs> who can prove how great I am and who can prove how much yeah. I suck go yeah <laughs> and, and then your brain like, oh, just a sold out show means I'm successful yes. great yeah um, you know my friends and family coming and enjoying the show that means I'm successful yes like you know four star so, reviews success yeah yeah yes. you've kind of like pinned success on a, on a specific series of events happening and that's when your brain is in like a positive state you know <laughs> if you're feeling a bit down it forgets those things so fast yes. at least i find yes it yes. does yeah yeah no so i don't know it's a mess it is and a mess. i hope i i know i know i'm sounding very grim right now no and hopefully i'll like you know show closed like four days ago no <laughs> yeah, no, no. i recovered my energy my god my no but it's like no i i feel like i always find more interesting stuff inside of grim conversations <laughs> than i do in the blissful ones yeah well yeah. i hope so i mean it, it is all interesting even though it's kind of heartbreaking and yeah difficult but they're like yeah i don't know maybe 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 you just need to disconnect from any sense of achieving success yeah i certainly um, have it on a lot just of ways yeah. yeah yeah making yeah. sure that you're the the things that you're undertaking uh, uh you're getting what you want from them and yeah. you're enjoying yourself well that's yeah. sort it, of... just, it would be a different it would be a lifestyle change for me to actually really embrace that i think well, that sort of brings me to like what I sort of like, mm. I guess we'll round out this conversation with mm. um, and sort of ties into a lot of the stuff that you've talked about is the sense of like with this idea of like looking forwards with your career and you living your life <laughs> irrespective of like theatre's engagement with it. Like, yeah. is is there something inside of you that you think is going to determine how long you can last in theatre, do oh, you think? Oh, wow. Oh, that's huge. Um... Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> sure, okay. <laughs> I, I'd love to keep doing it, mm. and I'd love to, 
Um, but I would love to do it in a more sustainable way because I don't think I've been... Uh, I think I've just been exhausting myself okay. and burning myself out pretty consistently by kind of maybe trying to achieve too much and be financially, like, solid. Right, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah. what do you, so what do, what do yeah, so what, what in you then needs to be stronger or present or built in order to have you last as long as you can? Oof. Or is it not even inside of you? Is it... Is it? It's probably both. It's right. probably a combination of trying to like be more selective about the things that I engage in and the time. Like, and I think certainly in my work life, I'm trying to make better decisions about that. And I say this, you know, last what couple of weeks, hmm. <laughs> sort of after Animal Farm, I was like, "That's it. I want to do jobs. I don't. I don't want to just take every job that I'm offered because I'm worried about money. Yeah. Like, you know, I." It's hard because it's kind of been hardwired into my brain. Like this this period of time now is supposed to be a little bit of a down period before summer Shakespeare stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a couple of jobs have been offered to me. Like like some of the stuff that I earn my money doing, like simulated patient work and murder mysteries and things. And, um, you know, I have said no to them, but it's been hard because... I see $300 disappearing down the sink. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm like, oh, I'm saying no to this work and this work and having to turn it around in my brain to be like, no, but you're giving yourself recovery time. And mm. that's really important. It's just it's just a psychological shift that I'm trying to make, but not <laughs> I'm not quite there yet. Okay. But hopefully that will help. So I suppose that changing that. But it also means embracing a certain level of poverty. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, maybe a lack of stability again. That's, but may, may, you know, maybe that's better than giving it up altogether. I can't imagine myself in a corporate job. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there's sort of the physical world stuff that you can change or try to change. Uh, and then the, can the I, emotional stuff's a bit just, harder. Just quickly, just oh, how yeah. interesting it is for you to want to have to learn to embrace instability more yeah. so then find that stability is <laughs> comes back to this grimness but also says something of your courage as well oh jake thank of you of course no my goodness that's yeah. very sweet no uh and you were, yeah and you were going to say something of the, well, the outer you know, world I think people who were doing this who were making their own work it is it is quite courageous i think um but it, it acknowledging that it's difficult and that you, you know you might need help or you might need to do it in a different way to make it feasible is just I guess the journey I'm on yeah right um but yeah but then also the emotional stuff like dealing with the insecurities and the 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 consistent pressures and the the fears and the um inferiority complex of being like you know am I am I successful enough (laughs) trying to trying to diminish that side of things and and think in a more community-minded way uh and I guess in a more um, positive, self-affirming way as well, which, you know, I like both of us probably have some problems with that yeah. generally. But it, I can't deny that it, you know, when you can achieve that, it does help. It does make things easier. It feels easier, doesn't it? Mm. 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 Oh, that's nice. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> in terms of which thing? I guess your continued engagement with, with making work. 
Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very much cursed with being in love with it as much <laughs> as it keeps, as we've talked about, it, it just keeps hurting you back. It's such yeah. a, it's such a toxic relationship, the one with the theatre industry and just with the compulsion to tell stories in the first place, theatrically at least. Yeah. No, so I don't know. I think it's, maybe this is jinxing things, but it's not a passion that's going to die anytime soon. Mm. Um, I think Can I say something about your work also? If you I want didn't to. get to see both of your shows. Mm. Uh, but the one I did see kind of reminded me of what I really do love about your work, which I hope this doesn't sound like a backhanded compliment. Go ahead. <laughs> but I always, I always get from your work that what I'm looking at, like, but you're not trying to make something good. You're trying to make something that interests you. Oh, great. And that's int- like, and that is interesting and unique. Um, yeah, in an unflinching way. You're not afraid about people saying that it's. Do, do you know what, does that make sense? That's really lovely. Yeah, yeah, which I think is so admirable. Oh, sure. That's all um, very and nice. And means that, for me anyway, your work is always interesting to me. That's really lovely, Elizabeth. It's not that's... coasting. Oh, that's one of the nicest things I've ever heard of. Oh, that's oh, so good. nice. Oh, yeah. that's so good. I'm My glad. God. Yeah. God, I was afraid you'd be like, are you saying it's not good? No, that's literally, <laughs> no. I Yeah, no, that's, uh, no, as, 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 I don't know. We've had so many conversations about around this topic of like yeah making good stuff just doesn't interest me at all and making crowd pleasers is really boring to me Mm. and winning awards doesn't mean anything to me and it's like all of these things that I've just like come to learn about myself and have been sort of some of these things I've been forced to learn um about myself and my belief in the purpose of art I suppose so that's a really lovely thing to hear because yeah in my mind embarking on these things is always like an exercise in curiosity and entering into things because I genuinely don't know like to go into it with a question in mind and then to therefore with it being a question I don't know the answer to and the show kind of being that answer or at least in, you know, a gesture towards the process of trying to answer that question. Mm. Um, and, and that being the goal as opposed to something shiny and perfect and clapped at by everybody. So, <laughs> yeah. no, that's a very meaningful compliment. Oh, that's really great. sweet. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. No, and I, I think that, and I think too, it's like I've, <laughs> I don't know, at least at the moment, like the people that I love and theatre are like the only things that I care about and I'm not going to let one of the two things that I love not be part of my life, I guess. Mm. So, unless... And I've... Unless... You're indifferent wh- to being a waiter? Is yeah. that <laughs> You don't care about... I'm service. indifferent to my job at a Mexican <laughs> restaurant. I... Uh, yeah, yeah. No, and I think as... as We knew each other during, like, one of the darker periods of my theatre-making experience where I was very much wanting to stop and and believing that it wasn't worth me continuing and me feeling like a talentless piece of shit who didn't deserve to be in this industry or to tell stories or have a voice at all. Um, and it was because of people like you and the other people around me that I managed to overcome that. And that experience as well changed me so much as an artist and a person. And I think the person that it turned me into, and that's not to say that I'm grateful for the agony of that experience, but it turned me into a person that wants to keep doing this and kind of needs to keep doing this. And so I think I'm stuck as much as, as you say, I'll be unstable and poor and broken and maybe a bit sad for the rest of my life. But I think I'm ready to make those sacrifices, I think. Yeah. Wow. That's really lovely. It's something. Yeah, it is. It's certainly something. It's both lovely and frightening. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) As life tends to be. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well. Thank you so much for being here. This has been truly one of my favourite conversations. Thank you so much for having me here. My God, it's no. really been good to talk about this stuff. Actually, I'm so glad. It's sort of all been kind of bubbling under the surface because uh, you know you do feel like you need to suck everything up when you're doing a, like when you're in the middle of a show. You're like, I just have to push this oh aside. It's militant. And make it happen. Yes, it does. It feels like going into battle weirdly. Yeah. Um, you know, just get like 
maybe maybe it's not the best mindset, but you know you feel you push away a lot of this stuff, and then it all kind of floats upon you at the end. It tends to, um, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's nice to talk about it. I'm so glad. Mm. That's good. No, I feel the same way, and I hope you, yeah found it valuable as a person mm. um it was certainly stimulating on my end and you sweet listener i hope some of this oh, has yeah, been sweet listener oh hi yeah yeah <laughs> Forgot i hope some about of this you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i hope something's been helpful and don't judge for me. you <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna judge you you sweet angel Ooh. um but yeah thank you again so much for being here it's always such a blessing i love you so much um, oh, and um, yeah, and just to sign off, as usual, we, me and Elizabeth, may already disagree with everything we just said. Mm. And friends don't let friends become theatre critics. Yeah, so true. So true. But also, if they really want to, like maybe. Okay, that's a bold <laughs> stance. No, I've changed my mind. <laughs>